straight out of Austin, Texas. It's On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com, with your hosts, Statesman Sports Columnists, Cedric Golden and Kirk Bowles. Often imitated, never duplicated. Hear it here first, On Second Thought. On Second Thought, episode 229, brought to you by Hook'em.com, our good friends at Bud Light. Seth Golden here with the Duck Kirk Bowles, and today, Duck, it's a family affair. <laughs> good to have a game Brian guy. Davis is back. Texas football, one week of practice, and they're letting us watch a few. And BD's been out there on the case. Brian was shaking. Hello, boys. It's good to be with you. Summer vacation is over, tier. Uh, but uh, football is here. And we are uh, definitely a weekend. Um, and I got to say, I got to say, a lot of people aren't going to believe this, but, um, well, they're not really CFP ready just yet. But, but wow. nonetheless, but nonetheless, um, real props to real props to Steve Sarkeesian, who has allowed us to see about 40 minutes of practice uh, every day so far. Um, and, and it's good to see football again. It really is. And we were on a Zoom today, room, a Zoom, Zoom. And, you know, with with this uh, with this variant, we're going to be Zooming for a minute for as far as we know. But guess who we got to talk to on Wednesday? Casey Thompson, Hudson Card. The two quarterbacks are going at it in practice and we got them for about 15 minutes apiece. Uh, Duck, what were what were your impressions of these two uh, would be successors to Sammy Ellinger? I was thoroughly impressed with Casey Thompson, and the two things that that I took from his interview with us today was poise and confidence, and he's got both of those out the wazoo. He just the way he carries himself, the way he talks, the way he is addressed his shortcomings. You know, he doesn't uh, hide. He talked at length about the pick six and the spring bowl, but he just seems poised and confident and ready to take over the job. You mentioned that, Doug. Let's 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 uh, give give our listeners a, a, a little taste of a conversation you had with him about weighing those positives and those negatives. Yeah, Casey, I was curious how Sark and the staff weigh uh, positives and negatives. The the great positive you had with the second half and the Alamo Bowl and just your your three years on campus here and being around it, as as opposed to say uh, one mistake, a pick six in spring game. Yeah. How much stock does he put in those two? Um, sorry, he always coaches hard, and uh, Coach Milby coaches hard. They're they're going to coach hard. They coach everyone to chase perfection, knowing that we may never get there. Um, so they're going to, the coach is hard, but Sark always tells me uh, being playing quarterback is like being a NASCAR driver. You have to find the threshold of how fast or how slow you can go and turn that corner. If you don't try it in practice, you'll never know for the game. So when you do make a mistake, just put it to the side, have a next play mentality and learn from it. He owns it. He does. Brian, Brian he owns it. And, and I think of the two. He is more of a complete package for quarterback. I think that Hudson has a higher upside 
But I think right now, Casey Thompson is more mentally equipped to take on this monumental job uh, as quarterback. What do you think, BD? No, I completely agree with I completely agree with that with, without question. Um, Card may be the man long term, but for the here and now, um, I think it's Casey Thompson. Not, you know, and not to skip to the end, but I think Casey Thompson starts against Louisiana, and the reason why is for all the things that both you and Kirk have just mentioned. He's going into his fourth year. He carries himself uh, like a uh, quasi professional quarterback. Quite he lives frankly. in a film room. Lives there. Yeah. Lives there, and he talked about how he organized uh, extra film sessions with the receivers during during the offseason. That to me was really impressive. Um, you know, you I, I don't care what sort of beautiful spiral Hudson Card throws on a Wednesday morning when there's no one out there. What happened in the game? And in the game, Casey Thompson threw four touchdown passes against Colorado. So I think he's deserving of getting more rope, uh, getting more of a shot. And to me, I think this is no contest at all. I think this is Casey Thompson's job, and it's his job to keep it. Wow. That is a sizzling, sizzling hot take. No contest, says Brian Davis. The last time I heard those those two words in together, I I barely uh, missed Juvie. I, I I, I got out of there. No lo contendre, says BD. I, I don't know, dog. I think it's a little closer than that. I think it's a little closer than that. Now, you did mention Hudson Card. I I was out at a couple of practices, and that kid can spin it. That ball's got zip on it. He knows where it's going. He looks like a big-time quarterback uh, in a year or two. I don't think he's big-time just yet. But, Brian, you did uh, have a conversation with him about playing within himself. He is the least experienced guy. So um, here's what he had to say uh, with that with that question from you. Casey, he's been on campus longer. I mean, you can't do anything about that. But what do you have to find yourself not um, ex- overextending or trying to go beyond in ways to impress coaches, you know, kind of stay within yourself and stay within the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, at the end of the day, I don't want to go out there and do things that I'm not coached um, just to show an ability. Um, I just try to do what they tell me, uh, do, what, do what I'm coached to do um, and just take it day by day uh, and just be myself um, and just play within the system and things will take care of itself. What I sense from, from Hudson Card is this. He's good, but I don't know that he knows yet how good he can be. I think what we're seeing is what he could be, not what not what he is right now. And what he is right now, I'm not sure, is the tonic for the Longhorns. Duck, I'll ask you, um, could you imagine Hudson Card starting in Fayetteville, Arkansas? I cannot, but I can't imagine Casey Thompson going in there and handling himself. Well, and, and the three of us go back to San Antonio, and, you know, it's like, okay, Sam's out, second half. Yeah, game may already be over. Colorado, flawed opponent. But he came out firing, and it was like this was his audition. This was his dress rehearsal. The one thing we don't know is that, you know, uh, that was under Tom Herman, you know. 
And obviously, Sark has seen the tape on that. But the pick six, you know, the thing is, too, first, you got to eliminate mistakes. I think we all know you can't have a quarterback no good how much velocity he puts on the ball. You can't throw in pick six and, you know, turnovers. you got to start there. And then, and then you making positive plays, throwing the ball downfield, reading defenses, you know, uh, being mature in the pocket, all that stuff. And it just seems like it just feels like Casey's job. And I, I think probably, you know, to, to, to pick up where uh, BD was saying, it's Casey's job to lose. I don't know if it's done, but say Hudson Card comes out in these first two scrimmages, you know, and both days go 16 of 18, two touchdowns, and and Casey throws another pick six or something like that. I think that could turn the tables a little bit. But barring that, I think it's Casey's job to lose. And speaking for me, just the practices we saw, knowing Casey's temperament, he, he sounds and looks like a leader. So I'd go with Casey. He's not a dog. I know that. He's not a dog, even though you heard one. Um <laughs> Brian, Brian, why do you think it's over? Well, like I said, I, like I said, I, I want to be clear. Hudson may be very good long term, but in the here and now, in terms of a brand new coach needing to get off to a good start and not get Maryland, okay? To me, that to me that's Casey wow. Thompson. <laughs> to me, that's Casey Thompson. And to me, there's no debate about this. I'm going to put a. I'm me if I'm the coach. I'm going to put a guy out there who is a fourth year player. Um, who lit it up in the last game, and I'm going to hand the ball off to number five quite a, quite a lot. But uh, but that's the guy that I'm going to go with. So to me, um, now I, I've been very clear about this when asked about this on radio and stuff. Is Casey Thompson the starter by the time we get to Oklahoma? No. I, I don't know. No. I, I I don't know that because because they always ask me who's this, who's going to be the starter. Who's going to be the starter? Well, to me, the starter for game one is, is a no doubt, no brainer, right? It's Casey Thompson. Does he start all 12 games? I don't know. And that's where I get back into said it's it's number 11's job to, to lose. So that means he has to keep it yeah. um, with, with, with the scrimmages and, the, and his play. Yeah, I agree I with just, that. I do, too. And I just love what he said. He goes, we'll, we'll see on September 4th. He carries himself with so much confidence he expects and so much swagger that if he gets beat out, he's going to swagger his way into the portal. He yeah. cannot imagine backing up Hudson Card right now. He can't. You right. can just tell. You can just tell. Now, the, the good thing up for it, whomever gets it, is there's experience up front. Now, we've seen all manner of combinations at these practices but if you're the coach Doug who will be starting on that offensive line versus ooh la la on September 4th well you know the wild card is is Derek Kerstetter obviously he's the most experienced lineman on there the most he is the OG he is the OG he is he's the most versatile lineman he can play pretty much any position so they kind of have him penciled in at center, but we've seen him at tackle, playing at right tackle, and just a phenomenal job and a phenomenal story for this guy coming off that gruesome uh, ankle injury at K-State. Just unbelievable, and what a testament to, to his work ethic. But I think right now, guys, they're just 
they're trying to look at rotations. They're trying to build some depth. Like I say, putting Kirsten at right tackle. I don't think we expect him to be there. We think he'll be the center, but Junior Aguilar, they're trying him at center as well. Yeah, you got big Jake. You got big Jake Majors. You do, and, and now's the time to find those things. You know, like Pope Amadi. You know, is he in the mix? Okafor has been here forever. Carrick and Majors played some last year. Started in the bowl game. So, all right now, it's all about building depth and and trying to slot them into see what positions else they can play besides just the one spot. See, you know. You know, guys, the one, one thing, and we're going we're gonna to talk about the receivers here in a second, but the one thing about the receivers is that everyone has talked about that they are positionless, right? Uh, right. They, need, they need to know the play conceptually more than they need to know a position. And, it w- you know, it wouldn't shock me if O-line is somewhat of the same thing. Kirk, every player you've mentioned we know has been cross-trained at multiple spots. Right. Right? And so to me – um, it seems more important that Texas has uh, players with a lot of experience on that O-line. Much, that's more important than, okay, well, this slot, this guy goes in this slot, this guy goes in that slot. Um, I like the fact that Texas has six, seven, eight guys that you know, uh, like a deck of cards, you could shuffle it up and, and still have your best players out there. Right. I agree with that. We like O-line rotation, not so much at receiver. Go ahead, Sid. In their heyday, in their heyday with uh, Coach Mac McWhorter coaching that O-line, they had eight guys, sometimes nine. And in a blowout, they take a full unit out and put a full unit back in there, and they cross-trained them all. Justin Blaylock played both guard positions, both tackle positions. Casey Stutter could play center. And guard Lyle Sinline the same. They had depth for days, and and when you have that kind of depth, and you know, it's, uh, we don't talk about it, guys. But offensive line is the most physical position on a football field. Every play is a collision, and injury's going to happen. And we saw the gruesome injury with Kerstetter, uh last year, and I'm writing about that in Saturday Statesman on Hookem.com, but. I think if they get the depth, the question is, and, I, and, and before we get to these receivers, I'm going to ask you both this. I see a lot of names, but do we have a lot of game with these names? Or do are we just looking at a bunch of guys that are average, or do we have the makings of a real quality offensive line? Duck. I just don't think we know. The jury's out. I mean, we've had – these great offensive line coaches come in here. You know, Joe Wickline, oh, my God, he he's God's gift to O-line coaches. Well, didn't quite work out. Then Herb Hand comes over for Auburn, great reputation. They had their moments, and they put up a lot of numbers. But, you know, I mean, was Cosme all that? Was he the greatest lineman in the history of the school? You know, he was a high draft pick, but – you know, it's to me, it's still a little bit of an unknown. And part of that leading into that, guys, is the the system that he's in. You know, it's not just a, a zone read scheme. It's not a gap scheme like I think Alabama does more where you have these six, five, 320 bulldozers and you just kind of unleash them. So, you know, I think uh, he's a little more versatile and a little more multiple 
you know, in his approach, uh, he's talking about Sarkeesian. So I don't know. I think the jury's still out on that. BD, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, you know, as I think about offensive line, offensive line coaches, all those types of things, my thought process immediately skips to 2025. And, and that is the year that Texas is supposed to be playing in the Southeastern Conference. And the reason why I say, say that is that I think that this program needs to recruit bigger, stronger, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't use the word better, but, but definitely they need to upgrade the size that they've got in front because uh, you talk about SEC play, that's what it's going to be is the grind out week in and week out. And, you know, as it relates to this year, um, you know, I'm with you, Kirk. I, the jury's still out. Uh, but I, but again, I want to be clear. I do like who they have for a basketball on grass, Big 12 type of uh, conference schedule. Um, but long term, I don't know. We'll see. We were over at College Station the other day, Kirk and I, and we were blown away by just the sheer mammoth size of these linemen that were walking in there. And Texas has a few of those guys. But you can just see that these SEC guys are just so much bigger overall. We saw like eight or nine guys that look like the side of a barn. But yeah. uh, we'll talk. We'll talk about that a little later. But well, and, um, and but before you go on, said and to that point, said you know you're right. It, the, the, they look the part, you know, at A and M, and but it's about playing the part. And so for both of you guys, it's like once you're you got to be SEC ready when you join that league, whether it's next year, two years, or whatever. And and to me, it starts up front, O-line, D-line. And the, to me, they've been a lot closer on the D-line than they have the O-line. And you know what Billy Lucci said it last week on this podcast? Uh, one advantage Texas has is they can recruit now as an SEC school without having to play an SEC schedule just right. yet. So these next couple of recruiting classes – because. I think we all agree here on this podcast that it's this year and next year maximum. There won't be a third year in the Big 12. They're, 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 on the, they're almost at the home stretch. Let's hit these receivers right quick, BD. Um, Josh Moore um, is, says he's 174 pounds. That's about, that's about the two dozen biscuits better than he was. He's like, he was playing at like 162 last year. That's scary. Um, yeah, what do you, what do you, what have you seen from him? I saw I saw a little snippets at practice, but I didn't get to zone in on him. What do you think Josh Moore is going to bring this offense? Well, the one thing, but talking about seeing Josh Moore, we did not get to see him on Wednesday. He did not practice Wednesday. Um, school spokesman uh, said he had a shoulder injury and he's listed as day to day. You know, should be back pretty soon, I would think. But he is the guy right now that has the most experience out of all these receivers. Um, I am still of the, of the feeling that, you know, letting Jake Smith walk out the door was a bad thing for Texas, but, you know, I'm in the minority apparently on this. Um, Not with but, me. I agree. Well, so, so <laughs> you look at who they have, they've got to have a big season out of Jordan Winnington. That is an absolute must have. Can we just get a, can we get a full season? A full Jordan. season, yeah. Before exactly. we start talking about big, let's get a full season out of yeah, Jordan. Exactly, and and look, I know everyone's high on Xavier Worthy, and and I get it. The Michigan signee who who is now at Texas, 
he he's going to be a stud. We hope, knock on wood. But we also thought Troy O'Meary would be a stud last year. As of right now, I'm not changing my tune on this. As of right now, those two guys have not played a single down wearing burn orange, and they won't until September 4th. And so to to immediately pencil these guys in as you know, Xavier Worthy said on another podcast he wants 800 yards and 10 touchdowns, and that's fantastic goals this year. I think if that happens and he's a secondary guy, Texas should have an incredible year uh, passing the ball. But um, they're going to need they're going to need guys to step up in, in a big way, in, in my opinion. Yeah, I Troy Mary scares me a little bit. He looks like the mummy out there. His his whole right leg is taped up from. From from total waste, you know. Who's the mummy? It's he is the mummy. He is the mummy. But it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm like BD. It's like oh, I'll believe it when I see it. You know. Yep. Same with the worthy. I mean, we've had a ton of great wide receivers looking great in the spring or in August, and then not so much once the season starts. I think you know Joshua Moore is clearly the leader of this receiving core. He has to be the alpha dog, and and. Sark's coming from a place where they have two or three or four alpha dogs, including the tight end. So, you know, that's, that's the thing we, they need separation. It's like Tom Herman was famous for having, you know, 19, 20 receivers on his roster, but how many were, were alpha receivers? And, you know, I mean, you got your. Oh, wow. Now you finally come around. I've been waiting on you to say that. Oh, uh, you wrote a couple. Oh, this is the greatest receiving core in school history. And I go, they got a lot of numbers, but they need to hone in on three or four guys. And once they did, other guys bailed. Epps is out of here. Other guys bail because they know Eagles gone. You got to have three or four. And I think this receiving receiving crew is going to be three or four guys are going to stand out. I don't think they're going to be giving out participation trophies. No, I don't think so board. either. And Eagles was disappointing. I mean, really, the last, what, five years, the year they had Colin Johnson, Devin Duvernay, they were the stars. They were the ones, you know, Liz Jordan. you know, little. they were the money time. And, you know, Kelvante Dixon, Marcus Washington, Kai Money, I mean, even Scooter when he was there last year before moving to the defensive side, they had their moments, but – you know, to me, it's like a Joshua Moore, uh, Whittington, and maybe one other guy. Let them be the stars, and let's hope that works out. Real quick, BD, before we get out of here, and we're going to have you back to talk defense mm-hmm. uh, before the season opener. I was in boy, those tight ends look good. Yes, yeah. they're all okay. All right, look. I will drink the Kool-Aid on the tight ends, okay? I like them. I, I like them. I will inject the Kool-Aid straight into my veins on the tight ends. All right. Give me some Jared Wiley. Give me some of that J-Dub. Yes. Down the seam. Give me some of that. Give me some Cade Brewer and short yardage. Uh, because, you know, security blanket. Give, give me a security blanket. That's what these guys really should be. Um, it's, it's what they are. But, uh, you know, I know I, I'm just going to step out of the way and let Kirk go on and on about Jatavian <laughs> Sanders because I know that's what he wants to do. He's dying to ra- rave about him. <laughs> but uh, but here but here's the thing. But here's the thing. I, I I really do think that it's a position with extremely unique uh, physical specimens, and and I got to say that's the one area that I'm really fascinated with 
with Sarkeesian's offensive mind, okay, how can you make this work uh, to the betterment of the team? Best group of tight ends in school history. You, you can write it down right now. Quit shaking your head, Cedric. I'm not uh, writing. I'm not writing it. <laughs> I mean, you know, Kay Brewer, he's the starter. Jared Wiley looks like the highest production guy. You know, Juan Davis, the you know, kid out of Fort Worth, looks damn good. Number 81. I, I noticed him. He looked good to me at practice. Braden Lebrock, Gunnar Helm, the freshman. I mean, they've got him everywhere. Which Dave, Dave, Dave Casper, Tony Gonzalez. Oh, yeah. oh, my God. They're just as good as those guys. I know, I know I'm accused of being too positive, you know, too rosy. And I apologize, sports fans. But uh, their tight ends, I think, are terrific, which leads me to Jadatavian. Sanders, who is at tight end, who is the all-world recruit, the face of this recruiting class. Soft hands. I don't know why he's at tight end. He is, boy, you talking about a thick, chiseled body. You know, to me, guys, and I'll open the floor to you guys, it's like, I'm not saying they're wasting him by putting him at tight end. Maybe the kid really wants a chance there. But with all the people we've mentioned on the roster, wouldn't Texas be better served by having him on defense this first year? I like him on the edge. I've yeah. seen film on him, and I was more. I've now he. I've seen him catch a football like a loaf of bread. Now I, I'm not, and he can run. Oh yeah, he's but when he's on the edge, they couldn't block him. Thank you. They couldn't block him, and so when I saw that he's at tight end, I'm sitting there going, maybe just trying to get on the field. But good man, that that I guy, I would I wouldn't want to block him. I would not want to block this guy, and right. I I predict. That before it's said and done, he is going to be an edge rusher at the University of Texas. I agree. I can, I can, I could be on board with that. Now, granted, now, granted, we're we're talking about the tight ends here. That's like saying, uh, you know, this book about the history of the Titanic disaster had incredible table of contents, right? This thing had an incredible footnotes, you know. But then you get to the meat of the stuff; it's 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 a mess. But um, no, I, I Sanders's body. Um, I mean, he, he is first team all airport. There's no question about that. He, he is going to look incredible getting off the bus. That said, Texas has some other players who looked incredible getting off the bus and couldn't play a lick. And so, um, you know, it, it, it remains to be seen, but I just, um, I have high hopes for that group. I do too. I, I just don't want to. I don't want to see a talent like him wasted even for a year. And I know you got red shirt. You can play him four games, blah, blah, blah. And hope there probably aren't any more super senior uh, seasons uh, left in college football. But I just think, you know, and, and said, and are going to talk about this the next segment about A&M and how they've got a tight end. Uh, they've got a quarterback, third string quarterback. He's trying out a tight end, get him on the field. And part of that goes back to, seeing Cedric Benson on the bench for the whole month of September and half of October before Mac would play him. It's said, recognize your talent, develop that talent, get them on the field. Don't have them on the sidelines. That's all you, I'm saying. You really didn't have to go all the way back to Sid. Be rest in <laughs> peace. How about last season with B. John Robinson? How about that? Oh, I, was there, wait, but was there a problem with B. John last year? Listen, what do you think? I, yeah, he didn't get to play. Yeah, that was a real problem. <laughs> I firmly believe if B. John Robinson had played from the start to finish, I think Tom Herman would still be the coach. Wow. God, I, I, love, I, I love when you drop knowledge like that. I, I love those kind of statements because I believe that. I believe it. 
And I don't know, I don't care what kind of internal problems they had. That kid runs for 1,500 yards. Uh, they beat Iowa State. They I beat mean, TCU. They probably. beat TCU because Keontae's not in there. Right. Yeah. Oklahoma. Maybe beat Oklahoma. Who knows? Tom's still, Tom's still the coach. You're right. Tom's still the coach. But you know what? Tom isn't the coach. Steve Sarkisian <laughs> is the coach, and he'll be the coach on September 4th. And we're going to have BD back in, in one of the next couple of episodes before – the opener, and we're gonna we're gonna break down that defense. But for now, BD, we'll let you get to work. We know what you're up to. Mm-hmm. Um, Duck, let's get to our next segment. BD, we appreciate it. And mm-hmm. like I said, it's a family affair. It is. This is family, dog. This is family. And we always appreciate you, sir. Appreciate you guys. It is on second thought. Come back and see us. Best tight ends ever. Write it down. Whatever. On second thought. Duck, always great to have BD dropping some knowledge. Just one of the best beat writers in the nation. All over the all over the Texas Longhorns, as are we. But there's news on a national front, my friend. The college football USA Today coaches poll has been released, and man, I got a newsflash. I mean, if What's you're if you're dri- if you're driving your car right now, yeah, I want over. you to hone in and pull over to the shoulder. And if, and if and if you're at home, sit out because this is going to rock your world. The yeah. Alabama Crimson Tide come in at number one. And Clemson is number two. No, they who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk it? And let me say this: bad for college football. Really bad for college football because when it's always the same two teams, where is the parity? Someone's got to knock these guys off their lofty perch. And my question to you. And we taped this, so this is at 1.45 p.m. on Wednesday, August 11th, 2021. Could it be the number three, soon-to-be SEC member Oklahoma Sooners? You know, they got two first-place votes. Of course, Alabama got 63 first-place votes, which they are Bama. I get it. But, you know, our, I don't know when our AP top 25 comes out in a week or so. You still and, voting on that, dog? Uh-huh. Yeah, 59th year. And uh, it was due uh, Tuesday. So I turned it in Tuesday. Can't reveal it yet. But Because you're writing about it. Alabama's not my number one. How can they be as good? Let me ask you this question. How can Alabama be as good? Listen to this. Lose six first round NFL draft choice players. Six, not in the draft. First round, six. Loses four coaches. You know, almost all of them came here to Texas with, with Sark. Ah. Uh, and then you got a brand new quarterback, Bryce Young, who's signing million dollar NIL deals. How can they be as good? How can they be as good? Now those four coaches they lost was one of them Nick Saban or is he still is he still the head coach at Bama? Is he still on, the coach? Me, well, hold on, let me Google it and see. Hey, hold on, okay. no, he's still right. there. He's, he's still, still there. there. Okay, all right, all right. Just making uh, sure okay. before I right. give you my take. 
Nick Saban just signed a, a 74 year contract extension. <laughs> he will be the head coach at Alabama through yeah. 2097. So Nick Saban is still the coach. Nick Saban is the best recruiter in the country. Yes. Nick Saban doesn't rebuild. He reloads. Yep. He not only reloads in between those lines, Nick Saban reloads in his coaching room. Nick Saban, Duck, is the greatest football coach slash runner of a football program in the history of this game. The Alabama Crimson Tide are going to be right there. Bryce Young, Andrew Young, it doesn't matter. They're going to be there because Nick Saban's their coach. I don't know that they run the table because I, I really like uh, Clemson's got a lot of depth. They got to replace ATN and Trevor Lawrence. But I really think that Nick Saban has figured it out defensively. His system works. And right now they're still the most physical team in the country. He, you're right. He does not rebuild. He does reload. And you know what else he does? He often repeats, you know, which is why they're the standby number one de facto uh, team every preseason. It's, you got to tell us who you put number one, Doug. No, Come on. I do not. No, Two no. different audiences. Come on, Doug. I, we'll talk about that soon enough, but it's not Alabama. I'll put it that way. But it is – I do – really think it's bad for college football. And, you know, television, I mean, uh, the gates have declined. Attendance uh, decreased. Yeah, that was a COVID year. I get that. But it's been happening, you know, especially, you know, SEC plays eight conference games, not nine, and they have, you know, all these cupcakes, and those are terrible games, and people don't want to go to that. I'm not not worried about attendance, and I'm going to tell you why. Well, the ADs and programs are and TV. Of course, of course they are. Exactly. But but when you got a 75-inch flat screen on your wall and you got steaks on the grill and your boys coming over to drink a cold one and 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 enjoy college football in air-conditioned comfort in your swanky mansion in bee caves, why? Would I want to go to a game and pay 30 bucks to park and pay 120 bucks for a ticket when I can watch it for free at home and not have to stand in line at a restroom? I have my own private bathroom. That's hard to beat, Duck. This is not the 70s. The, The TV experience is so much better now than it ever was 25 years ago. And that is a real, real issue with these ADs, these TV execs, and, and these, these head coaches. These programs are still going to bring in big crowds, big live gates. But if I, Duck, I'm telling you right now, if I wasn't a sports writer, you're not going to see me at any games. I'm going to be at the house watching. I'd rather be right here in the Lazy Boy than out in that sun or in, in that in that 24-degree weather in Madison, Wisconsin in December. I'd rather be here. Well, they're trying to sell the experience of being in the stadium for the great game and for the chance to say, oh, yeah, I was there. I was at that game. I was at the Rose Bowl, you know, when Vince Young did his thing. They're, they're trying to sell that in the regular season, and it gets harder and harder 
to do for all those reasons you just mentioned. And postseason is different. Postseason is different. Oh, totally. Longhorns going to the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans. Yeah. You knew that the Longhorn oh, yeah. Nation was going to show up for that. Yeah, but, but, these, te- these, but Texas, Texas Rice. But these oh. schools are worried about it. And that's why the SEC's got to go to nine games. They should have already been at nine games. But, uh, you know, I found the NBA more interesting when the Lakers didn't win and the Milwaukee Bucks win. I, I, <coughs> me, I like I like kind of when the underdogs rise up. And, you know, that's where the 12-team CFP will help. It will help interest in some. It will hurt others. But, you know, maybe we don't have the same Final Four, you know, every year, year in, year out, where it's Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, maybe Notre Dame, maybe Oklahoma, you know, maybe who did, you, who did you say after Alabama? Clemson. Oh, that's your number one team, right? I didn't say that. <laughs> yes, you did. It's written no, all I, over your face. You said Clemson. Okay. Your eyes twinkled when you said it. I know this is audio, but I, I know I, you, Kirk Bowles. That's a tell. Well, maybe we'll, maybe we'll make a bet. Maybe we'll make a bet. So, oh, so you could rewrite it? I'm not. I'm not giving you any more money. In, I turned it in Monday. Turned oh, did you? <laughs> yeah. You know, here's the thing. And uh, for all those who haven't seen the poll, Texas comes in at 19th, and Louisiana Lafayette, the Raging Cajuns, Texas first opponent, 23rd in the nation, first time ever in school history they were ranked in the preseason top 20. They are the Raging Cajuns, aren't they? And they're raging. And they're they're raging. raging. Long live Andrew Tony. Yeah. I was looking at their I said I was looking at their website yesterday. They had first and second team. They have nine first team all sunbelt teams. Fear the sunbelt. Sun fear sun the sunbelt. Hey, Iowa State didn't fear them, but they feared them after they left. You know, guys like Chris Smith, the running back, who, you know, had like two kickoff return touchdowns last year. They got their quarterback back, Levi Lewis, as you know, he's he may break the career passing record. You know who owns it's a good trivia. Who owns a career passing record at Louisiana Lafayette? Um, Bobby Abear? Nope. Who? Jake Delhome. Oh wow, Jake yeah. Delhome, who started a Super Bowl. Yeah, that we did. attended together, Doc. He did. 3229. Yeah. His Panthers. On- we weren't watching TV then. We were in the stadium. We That's were different. Stadium. So That's right, before, different. before we leave and start talking about the Aggies a little bit, the Aggies come in sixth, sixth in the uh, AP, I mean, the uh, college football poll with USA Today coaches. So too high, too low, about right. And how about Texas at, at 19? Too high, too low? Um, I'll start with the Longhorns. I think they're right about where they need to be. Until we figure out who that quarterback is and if he's ready for prime time, the Longhorns are in striking distance of a top 10. If they beat the, if they can beat Iowa state or OU, uh, then, then, then it's going to be a good chance that they could be a top 10 team or TCU, of course, because TCU just seems to own them. But I think that I like where they are. The Aggies at number six, duck. Just like last year, so close, so close, yet so far. Now, we went over to College Station over the weekend to hang out with our boy Olin Buchanan and uh, visit with with Jimbo Fisher and and, and several Aggies. Boy, those guys looked good. Those are some physical specimens. You, You and Jimbo had a nice exchange about where they are. Um, 
or, or you know, if they're ready to make that next step because they're so close to that CFP. Here's what you guys had to say. Jimbo, start of every college football season, you see in the, in the top ten, the mm-hmm. Alabamas, Clemsons, Ohio States. Are you all on the threshold of being in that group, or if not, how far away? Well, we are, are right now. We're in that top ten. We'll see if we can do it. And, and like I say, at A&M, that's our goal. That's why I'm here. That's why we're here, and we should be. We have all the resources to do it and the things to do it and the program to do it, support to do it, and now it's just making sure we do do it. And uh, that's that's the challenge. And, you know, when you have the bullseyes on your back and people expect you to be good, you need to do That's another step in maturity of – how you prepare, how you play, and uh, we definitely should be. That's that's our goal to be here, and that's what we're here for. He's very confident, Doug. He, he talks him. He talks a mile a minute, but he's yeah. very confident. I think he believes that this is the year that they break through. But boy, just like the Texas Longhorns, quarterback quarterback is a question mark. Is it Haynes King? Is it Zach Calzada? So for me, I, I you know, and the the big strapping Eli Sowers. Yeah, he moves to work. Tight end up. Tight end. Sowers He's a tight end. end. Six five, two hundred thirty pound. Uh, has has a big time quarterback body, but they're playing him at tight end. So those question marks give me a little bit of hesitance when it comes to me believing that the Aggies are ready to be in that top four. Well, and and that's a huge compliment to his program. The fact that they can go from a one loss. Orange Bowl champion team on the doorstep of the CFP. Lose your quarterback, lose your four-year starter in Kellen Mond, who goes to the Minnesota Vikings. What was he, a third round? Was it? Yes. And lose four, count them, four starting offensive, offensive linemen. And Buddy Johnson, the linebacker, the leader of that defense that you're going to be writing about later this month, and Bobby Brown up front. So they had some big-time losses but then to be picked six kind of tells you they've arrived a little bit. I think they're right on the threshold. And this next year, maybe two years, if Texas and OU wait two more years to come over, these two years are so critical to Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies because they started it last year when they went, what was it, 9-1, and 10-1, and one, I forget. They had one loss to Alabama. and uh, But these two years, they can make hay. While Texas is still in the Big 12, and if they can sustain that, and if they can be the second best program behind Alabama and the SEC. Whoa, be, easy, Tiger. Be, what did you I just say? If. I said if they can become the second team. Florida's dropped off. You know, Georgia's right there. I think most people would say the pecking order, with all due respect to LSU national champion two years ago, don't you think it's Alabama, Georgia, Florida and then LSU A and M. They're like A and M's in the top five. Is that fair? That's fair because LSU. You know, I I think Coach O caught lightning in a bottle with with, with that great quarterback and 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 Brady calling the plays. I I think he caught lightning in the bottle and and that bottle is missing. And I just don't know that they're going to be as good right now. I put the Aggies ahead of Bayou Bengal. Uh, when it comes to the pecking order in in the SEC because the Aggies seem to be on an ascent. And it wasn't just one big deal that where they where they had that magical season and they limited injuries and they had those two NFL receivers, uh, Chase and what's the other guy's name, Doug? They had those two NFL receivers and they had Joe Burrow at quarterback and they right. and they had they had these great uh 
you know, Kaleva and Chason. They had all of these great guys. Daryl Stingley, Derek Stingley. Derek Stingley. And so uh, Delpit, they had all of these great players. Yep. Uh, and it all came together. And all those guys are in the league now. Yeah. And so what's left is Coach O trying to trying to figure out how to get back to that. I don't know that they do. I know that there's tremendous tradition. But when you look at what uh, Kirby Smart is a guy, he's a guy. When 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 Nick Saban decides to hang him up, Kirby Smart's going to be in his fifties, and he's going to be ready to roll. But Jimbo Jimbo no. Fisher's got at least a decade no. uh, left, um, maybe more. So maybe. they're waiting on Nick to go. You know what? I'm tired. I'm tired. They're waiting on that to happen. And when it does, I like A and M. I like Georgia way more than I like an, a coach O coached. Um, LSU, because I just don't know that Coach O is a great coach for the long term. Hey, you know, my crazy prediction started last year was LSU have a losing season, you know. That wasn't crazy at all. Well, I got a lot of grief from it, you know, people that that thought I was crazy. But they went five and five and had to scrap just to get to five and five. And that's a losing season in those parts. Oh, yeah, that's a losing season in Baton Rouge, no question about it. So. And like you said, I agree with you. He caught lightning in a bottle. And now, you know, this Title IX lawsuit with everything that's going on at LSU, you could argue Ed O is on the hot seat already, two years after winning a national championship. So that's what football means to LSU. But I think getting back to AM, they are positioned to, to try to keep making noise, to ascend up that pecking order and become the second best team. You know, and supplant maybe, maybe supplant Georgia and Florida. They're not there yet. I know they had one great year the year before. They were really good, but they were a victim of their schedule. Played three number ones and a number two, and uh, and that that was the reason they they had five lost seasons. But you can just see the ascent for A and M, and they're on track to to be competing for CFP every year, especially if they expand it. And what, and before we get out of here, Duck, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention. Or right, we got Iowa State at number eight. So you got you got two Big Twelve teams in the top eight, and that's about where they hope to be, knowing yeah. that they they're on the they're they're a, an upset went away from making some real noise. But we look at number nine, and we got Mac Browns, North Carolina Tar Heels. Maybe an example of what you do it do it did last year being a little bit more hype than what you really have coming back. They've had they've they've lost some really key um contributors, and Mac's gonna have to plug some holes if he's gonna live up to that ranking. Uh, you know, he does have Sam Hell, who's probably love him at quarterback, love him. I, I would say Sam Hell and Spencer Rattler would probably be the two Heisman favorites. You gotta put Bryce Young, the Alabama quarterback in there and DJ was it Ugalela from Clemson he's probably in that mix as well maybe Bijan Robinson if Texas could win nine or ten games could could kind of throw his name in that but yeah they North Carolina lost his top two running backs his top two receivers and their best their best player on defense and and that was the reason a lot of them left early and that was the reason they lost to A&M in the Orange Bowl or at least one of the reasons. So, uh, 
It's in, but as long as you have that great starting quarterback, it kind of just raises the team and, and the confidence that the players have, I think. And you look and you look at quarterbacks, that is the straw that stirs the drink, Duck. We don't know what Texas is going to be this year because we don't know about the quarterback. We really don't know if AM is going to be uh, in, the, in the CFP mix at season's end because of quarterback. But we do know that the Oklahoma Sooners have a star in the making in Spencer Rattler, and we do know that Brock Purdy is back, isn't he, Doug? And, oh, yeah. He's back. And, and we know Brees Hall's that, back. That, that Brees Hall, the running back, is back. And we, know, and, we, and we know that Howell's back for North Carolina. So, for me, these great teams go as their quarterbacks go. And we, we, we're going we're gonna to continue to hit it hard. We're just so glad to be back on regularly. We've been taking golf lessons and and and, and getting <laughs> getting our getting our swings together. But this is all football all the time. That's gonna do it for episode two twenty nine of On Second Thought. We gotta thank BD Brian Davis for joining us, and he'll be back very soon. For the Duck Kirk Bowles, I'm Sid Golden, and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to On Second Thought. Powered by Hook'em.com. Join Seth and Kirk every Thursday at lunch for a new episode. Archived episodes are available on iTunes and Google Android Play.